You're listening to episode number 77 of The Green Elephant in the Room. This is your host, Eco Rico. In this episode, we're focusing on the absolutely unprecedented summer we are experiencing, and more importantly, what can be done about it. Over the July 4th holiday, while Americans were firing up their barbecues and setting off fireworks, the world broke a new record. Earth had her three hottest days ever recorded since instrumental measurements began in the 1850s. It is undeniable this record heat is totally unprecedented and terrifying. The role of climate change in our lives now and in the future is absolutely overwhelming. We've passed into a ferocious new phase of global heating with much worse to come. There has never been a summer like this in recorded history. This has included record nighttime temperatures across the country, wildfire caused air pollution throughout the Northeast, shocking ocean temperatures in the South, and this July determined the hottest on record before the month even ended. And that's not even the real problem. Our little climate adventure is still just getting started. Remember, this is all happening at 1.2 degrees Celsius. It's hard to imagine the climate horrors we will be experiencing at the Paris Climate Agreement goal of 1.5 Celsius, which, by the way, we're now destined to blow by. Since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution in 1750, we have stuffed a trillion tons of global warming gases into our atmosphere. More than half of that was admitted in the last 30 years. Think of it this way. For every molecule of fossil fuel sold and burnt, combust into carbon dioxide forcing the planet to heat. Carbon dioxide resides in the atmosphere for thousands of years, making the excess heat and other climate impacts basically irreversible on human relevant timescales. Every bit of heat makes climate disasters more frequent, widespread, and intense. We are losing Earth on our watch. From Africa to Antarctica, all seven of the Earth's continents have experienced extraordinary extreme weather events in July of 2023. The Amazon rainforest may already be past its tipping point. Coral reefs as we know them will be gone from the planet by mid-century. The Earth's oceans are the hottest they have ever been in modern history by an astonishingly wide margin. In the southern hemisphere, Chile and Argentina, where it's the middle of winter, are experiencing blazing temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 C. Just today, I was reading about how winter Antarctic sea ice has reached record lows with serious implications for the planet. These are cosmic losses. Fossil fuels are causing this damage. Therefore, the only way out of this heat nightmare is to end them. No amount of tree planting, recycling, carbon offsetting, or wishful carbon capture thinking will ever change this. We are careening toward fossil-fueled heat waves that will kill over a million people in single events. 
and it will not plateau there. More fossil fuels, more heat, more death. The only way out is to end fossil fuels. Each minute the fossil fuel industry exists, each drilling permit, airplane flight, gallon of gas, fossil fuel ad, oil pipeline takes us further into an irreversible heat catastrophe that goes against science, goes against common sense, goes against life on Earth. The United States, the greatest economic, political, and military force on the planet, is also the greatest contributor to both the climate and the associated biodiversity crisis. By far, it's not even close. In the next section, we look at how America can demonstrate the essential and compulsory moral leadership to spearhead the recovery of our rapidly failing planetary systems in the precious little time we have left. As we just heard, life on Earth and our way of life on Earth is in grave danger. This is an urgent situation. The President of the United States has the power and moral authority to proclaim a climate emergency. Declaring a climate emergency is a tool that would give the President more power to expand renewable power and block oil and gas projects without Congress's assent. Declarations of this sort are not unprecedented. It has happened before. The National Emergencies Act is a federal law enacted nearly 50 years ago and requires presidents to formally declare an emergency in order to activate special emergency powers. Every president since 1976 has declared at least one national emergency during his term in office and 41 are still in effect today. Examples from decades ago would be prohibiting trade in certain transactions involving Libya, or prohibiting the importation of rough diamonds from Sierra Leone. The implication being that if a climate emergency were to be issued, it could stay on the books for years. If President Biden were to declare climate change a national emergency, it would unleash additional powers, such as banning oil experts and further accelerating renewable energy buildout on a scale that has not been seen since the mobilization for the Second World War. It would send an unmistakable signal to fossil fuel investors, still living in the past, to universities that have been shamefully slow to divest, to media outlets that have failed to connect the dots, and to all the dangerously lagging institutions in our society. And it would be a desperately needed win for climate activists. This would act as an eco-multiplier and is the sort of governance desperately needed at this critical juncture in human history. As 100 million Americans swelter under heat warnings, if the president were to invoke special powers to address climate change, here are some of the key things that he could do. Mr. Biden could reinstate the ban on crude oil exports, which was overturned in 2015, 
which would slash greenhouse gases by as much as 165 million metric tons each year, which is comparable to closing up 42 coal plants. He could also halt new gas and oil drilling on more than 11 million acres of federal waters, which would include the entire outer continental shelf of the U.S. On the authority from the National Emergencies Act would also allow Mr. Biden to curb fossil fuel imports and exports and to halt hundreds of billions of dollars of U.S. investment in fossil fuel projects abroad, such as ending gas and oil leases in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Arctic Oceans. Outside of the National Emergencies Act, Mr. Biden also has other options. First, he could expand the use of defense production that would mandate private U.S. companies to build more renewable energy and clean transportation, including public buses, high-speed rail, and passenger vehicles. Declaring a national emergency would free up federal funds and other disaster relief resources set aside by Congress. The Federal Emergency Management Agency would automatically get power to coordinate these resources, which could be used to support the construction of renewable energy systems, such as ramping up the production of solar panels, insulation, and heat pumps. Yes, he would face stiff opposition from the dinosaur Republicans, but with inflation and gas prices lower than last year, and record-breaking temperatures blasting the planet, this is an opportune moment. In a recent survey this year, a majority of registered voters polled 58% supported a U.S. president declaring global warming a national emergency if Congress did not act. To go full steam ahead, we need Congress to tackle climate change issuing an emergency declaration for the express purpose of getting around Congress isn't an appropriate use of emergency powers in our constitutional system. It also lets lawmakers off the hook. However, considering the existential nature of climate change and its consequences, this is an unprecedented emergency. If this isn't what you pull your emergency powers for, then nothing is. What's not unprecedented is the move would put the U.S. in the company of 18 other nations and the EU that have made that dire declaration. Well over 2,000 jurisdictions in 40 countries have declared a climate emergency. Populations covered by areas that have made this declaration amount to over 1 billion people, meaning more than 1 in 10 global citizens live in designated emergency zones. In some of these countries and municipalities, the climate emergency declarations have been legally binding. However, the majority have been wholly symbolic. The planet is desperate for visionary leadership. The planet is desperate for policies that create an equitable transition away from fossil fuels and into climate emergency mode as a society. The most important element of this action would be to wake the general public up to the gravity of the consequences of not doing something right now. That's why we profoundly need the prestige, power, and purse of the United States in this visionary leadership role. This is too big a moment to pass up.
Next up, we briefly discuss where most of us receive our climate information from, the news media. We visited this earlier in a two-podcast investigation, episodes 55 and 56, entitled The Climate, the Environment, and the Media. Considering the extent of this summer's weather wackiness, we felt it would be a good time to revisit the topic. Question, how does the news media influence the way we see climate change? Research into media coverage of climate change has demonstrated that the news media are an important source of information about climate change. They have significant potential to influence public understanding and perceptions of the issue. Television news, because of its visual immediacy and authoritative presentation, is likely to be particularly influential. Numerous studies have shown that television news can affect public opinion directly and indirectly through processes such as agenda setting and determining climate policy laws and regulations. However, no matter how they try to elevate the importance of the climate horror show happening right outside our front door, the news just doesn't have the seismic impact it should have. The cognitive dissidence between the magnitude of the climatic events and the, oh, this is just weather, illuminates the challenges a frenetic news media faces in covering our long-term but glacially paced climate system breakdown. In the era of 24-7 media, digital and cable outlets rely on a constant stream of breaking news, sexy headlines, and attention-grabbing events to pull in ratings and readers and, in turn, pay the bills. The complicated state of physics, chemistry, and our environmental calamities could care less about the needs of CNN or the Times, much less TikTok. Every alarm bell on the planet is ringing right now, but less than 10% of the network news stories about the record-breaking heat, flooding, and tornadoes mention climate. Even in that small percentage, the climate comments consist of things like Climate change-driven extreme weather events have fueled the devastation. Or, recent heat waves would have been virtually impossible without the influence of man-made climate change. If you pay attention, you'll notice there's never a mention about what actions we should take to alleviate these shocking impacts. This is, to put it bluntly, catastrophic. This crisis should be front-page news everywhere this summer but it's not in any meaningful way. Most news outlets are reporting on the record-breaking heat and perhaps offering advice on how to survive it, but we barely see any elevated mainstream coverage that recognizes the severity of this emergency. One explanation for this disconnect is that heat simply doesn't make for compelling journalism. A producer for a major news show explained that when it comes to climate change, wildfires and storms make for better TV. Showing footage of people sweltering in the sun or a chart about the changes in world temperature over time is boring. If you notice, most news outlets illustrate their stories about extreme heat with fun photos of people in a swimming pool or playing in a water park. Research shows that this can put a positive spin on an otherwise devastating news feature. 
Is it really the media we should blame? Perhaps that's something that viewers and readers should take responsibility for, that the media is partially reflecting our own inability to fully panic about something that is truly becoming the new normal. Other research suggests that humans are able to adjust to new weather extremes in just a couple of years. The heat alarm that has been sounding so loudly for the past few years is easy to tune out, even the particularly loud alarms of the past few weeks. The world is going to keep breaking records, and what is worrying is that we are getting used to it already. That our reaction is to shrug, turn off the TV, crank up the AC, and go about our lives. Global warming is a real phenomenon, and weather disasters are undeniably linked to it. Recently, there were a dozen stories on the homepage of most major news outlets about floods and fires and heat waves, but none about how reducing the use of fossil fuels is a non-starter on Capitol Hill because of resistance from the powerful fossil fuel lobby and its devoted supporters in the Republican Party. Simply making the connection between climate change and environmental disasters isn't enough. To truly do the climate story justice, the news media must go further and connect climate change to the fossil fuel companies refusing to reduce their planet-destroying emissions. Neither the public nor political reporters should be content with Washington, D.C. standing by and doing absolutely nothing as the country bakes and the world burns. Newsroom leaders should recognize that this is an essential moment for them to set the agenda. And that means bringing up climate change at every occasion and demanding to know what our elected officials are doing about it. That means asking at the White House press conferences and at the Republican congressional leadership news conferences and any time they call her a member of Congress. The evidence that climate change is not merely a phenomenon but a crisis, a catastrophe, and a calamity grows stronger every day. And, as it turns out, it bears repeating because many in the mainstream media still aren't connecting these extreme temperatures to climate change. One frequent excuse political reporters have for not writing about climate change is that there's nothing new to report. We find this to be very disingenuous. There should be blaring headlines every single day, and the reporting should place the blame squarely where it belongs, on the fossil fuel industry and its lackeys in the Republican Party. Why doesn't the media do that? A final word. Polling demonstrates that when voters are asked what is the most pressing issue that you would cast your one vote for, climate and the environment are often not even in the top 10. I don't know about you, but virtually every person I know, thousands in my life and career as an international teacher, does not talk about these issues. Considering the scope and scale of the climate and associated biodiversity crisis, you have to admit it's surreal. I guess because it's too big, too complicated, and therefore too easy to ignore. That's why it would be so critical for President Biden to use his bully pulpit and drive these issues into the media 
into Congress and into the public consciousness. Otherwise, it might take some tragic event on a scale that is so horrific that it would shock our world into action. Unfortunately, in this era of climatic and global tipping points, it could be too late. When I first started this podcast enterprise a few years ago, friends told me that all I was doing was preaching to the choir. That may be so, I thought, and I forged on regardless. After a time, I realized it is the choir that are actually the ones that are going to resolve this problem. There is a small percent of people, three to four percent, that can clearly see where all this is heading. That number may be small, but in the aggregate, it amounts to 280 million global citizens. 280 million people who must gather, collect, assemble, mass, mobilize, and marshal into an unrelenting and unstoppable force. Once this world movement is aligned, we must launch, initiate, activate, motivate, and trigger a global wake-up call to what is clearly just a glimpse of what our future hell on earth is going to be. The good news is, once this happens, it will instigate an overwhelming and inevitable crusade among the wishy-washy majority to finally support the long overdue actions necessary to curb the insanity. How do we go about this monumental effort? The Green Elephant has dedicated a series of podcasts, episodes 62 to 66, about how this can be accomplished. This is not pie-in-the-sky, hippy-dippy, airy-fairy stuff. It is fact-based, scientifically evidenced, historically proven methods, processes, and techniques that have and will work to get us back on track to restoring the planet's living biosphere. Plus, the Green Elephant has designed a comprehensive online encyclopedia of eco-solutions. It's called A Call to Act. It is a well-organized, thoughtfully laid-out resource of hundreds of climate groups to join and eco-action activities to be taken. You will find nothing in it about reusable straws, turning out lights, or recycling. What you will find are hundreds of eco-action activities that cover every aspect of your life. Home, family, career, shopping, leisure time, investing, and the other aspects of our lives that will allow you to mobilize. It is packed with people and organizations doing something. This is your grand opportunity to join them and engage in this epic effort to preserve life on the planet as we know it. You will find links to the podcast index and a call to act in the show notes.